This is Tyler Smith, and this is another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. This is mini-sode number nine. Uh, I've got, uh, and this is the first appearance on a mini-sode, Josh Long. Hey, everybody. All right. But you're glad to hear me. You were like, what those mini-sodes didn't need is more Josh. I feel like that's just not enough, right? Isn't that what everything needs? That's what, every, that's a little what bit I more say. Josh. But you know what? It's, it's, it's a mini-sode now. It's not a regular episode. We can just kick back and relax. I know. How you doing I, there? I'm doing okay. You know, I'm a little sleepy. Yeah. Going to be heading down to Orange County later tonight. Oh, I'm not going to go into my all my plans. That's, but that's the county where they keep the oranges. It is. All of them. As far as I know. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So we sort of described what this was going to be, this series of minisodes that we're going to be starting. Um, and so, uh, and I don't remember exactly quite ha- where it started, but I, I had the idea of Josh and I talking about our personal top 10, our 10 favorite movies of all time. And I was thinking of devoting like two full episodes to it. Uh, and then I'm not sure what happened, but I decided to break it down into like each movie getting its own episode. And then it's like, well, maybe not real episodes, maybe minisodes. And so, uh, so that's what we're doing here. Um, there will be like the regular minisodes as well. Uh, and that will be at my discretion. I haven't done one in a while. I don't do them very often, but there are a couple that are sort of percolating in the back of my mind that I'll Mm -hmm. probably do and release, you know, on the weekend or something. But as it is, uh, these episodes in which we'll be talking about our favorite movies, uh, though they will go up every other Tuesday. So what that means is that you will have something posted in your feed from more than one lesson every Tuesday. It might be a regular episode or it might be one of these minisodes. So uh, so check back here often. Check back every Tuesday. Yeah. There will be something for you. Come early, come often. Exactly. And uh, you, you can kind of play a little game with yourself guessing what uh, what the next one's going to be. Unless we just tell you. It probably says on there, doesn't it? Well, you can guess what the next one coming up is exactly, going to be. Exactly. Exactly. That's a go. weird guessing game, by the way. Because like, it's like, oh. of all the movies in the world, yeah. I think it'll be this one. Yeah, but there are there are ones that people think are the best. So once you get up towards the top, it's like it's got to be. And I will say it this: narrows it down because the the movies that people pick as their like favorite movie of all time, it's 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 probably a small pool of movies. Yeah, I'd say it's so. Not not that many people that are saying, "Oh, it's the Odd Life of Timothy Green." Actually, it's not bad. Not that I know of. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe they love it in Europe or something. No matter no matter what movie you're talking about, there is probably at least one person out there who says it's their favorite movie. It might be the guy who made the movie. I, that's not a guarantee at all. <laughs> um, no, but like friend of the show, Jason Egan talked about uh, about how I think he knew somebody, or maybe I don't remember who told me this. I think it was him who whose favorite film was like like just go with it. Or something like that. I don't a movie. Remember what I that don't. Is. I think Adam Sandler's in it and Jennifer Aniston. 
I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that sounds like the sort of person that their favorite movie is the last movie they remember exactly. seeing. Yes. The last movie they remember seeing. It's yeah. like, well, it's stuck in my memory. Right. So, uh, and maybe we're being a little glib. Uh, so if, if you listening, if one of your favorite movies is one of these uh, forgettable things, then uh, you know I, what? I apologize. I want to hear about it. Uh, yeah. Email Comment me or tell, email. Tell me why Just Go With It is the best movie of all time, and I will I will respect that. So that's the one. You don't want them to email you about, like, whatever. You want them to email sp- it's specifically just about one, Just Go right? With It. Okay. Well, if it's, if it's one that we haven't mentioned, then, hey, it might be one that we also love, so you never know. Fair enough. But it is true. I think uh, by the time we're done with, with this series uh, in November, uh, yeah, I, I went through and looked it up, and, uh, boy, it's <laughs> going to be a while. Um but by the time we're done with this, like you'll have like a list of twenty movies, and I think you get a pretty good general idea of film and the different genres, the different eras, yeah, and um, the kind of movies that we like. Which, ironic, not ironically, but strangely, there's no overlap between our two top ten lists. That does seem very strange. I, I feel I, like that's an oversight on your I, part. <laughs> there's something wrong. I I didn't think of that until today. And then I was like, how, how is that possible? Yeah, I happened to notice it, so and I, I just thought, like, I mean, that works out really well for this series, but it also just seems like a very strange oversight. It does. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, and so this is, I just wanted to let you guys know, like, what to expect. So, uh, so obviously, there's this episode, and then in, in which we'll be talking about my 10th favorite movie of all time, and then in two weeks, uh, we will be talking about Josh's 10th favorite movie of all time. So, uh so hopefully this will be fun for you guys that uh, that enjoy the more movie aspect of the show, um, and because uh, these episodes we do plan on them being a little shorter. This one obviously because we're kind of introducing things um, is going to be slightly longer, but we really don't want them to be super long. So there will be some thematic discussion if we feel like it's worth it, but mostly we'll just be talking about the film itself. Mm-hmm. So. With that, here we go. Series officially starting now. And let's see how long we can go before we get tired of it. All right. You know what? I'm out. All I'm right. tired already. Good night, everybody. So, okay. My 10th favorite movie of all time. I recently uh, reshuffled my, my top 10 because I have a new number one. And then that caused me to rethink my, my whole top 10. And so some some of them were just kind of the placement got moved around. And in other cases, uh, a new movie, uh, I think one or two new movies worked their way in there. So, uh, so my 10th favorite movie of all time is a silent film, uh, from 1926. It is called the general and it stars Buster Keaton. And, uh, I remember I saw, I don't remember when I first heard of the film, the, I, I really did not see a whole lot of silent films before going to film school. This is one of the ones I saw before film school. I don't remember where I had heard of it, but it sounded interesting. And I had heard good things about Buster Keaton. And so, and I had heard that this was, it's arguably his best movie. There are some people, you know, some people say it's Steamboat Bill Jr. Some people say it's Sherlock Jr. Um, but, uh, but I think most people will say it's the general and I, and I, I probably agree with that. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, the basic story is it takes place during the civil war and, uh, Buster Keaton plays uh, a character named Johnny Gray, who is a Confederate soldier or rather a, con- uh, a guy who lives in the Confederate States 
and wants to sign up, but is uh, he's actually just like he runs uh, not the railroad, but he runs one specific train, and he's good at that. And so when he goes to sign up for uh, the Confederate Army, it is, he is turned down, but he's never told why. He's turned down because they decide that he is much more valuable to the Confederacy running this train. But they don't tell him that. They just reject him. And so he thinks, well, what am I, you know, am I, am I not good enough? Am I not tall enough? You know, what's going on? And so uh, then some, un- some uh, dastardly Union uh, soldiers steal his train uh, with, as it happens, his, uh, his fiance. I think that's right. Uh, his, his, his sweetheart. Let's his say lady. that. Yeah. Uh, she is aboard the train, and so they steal the train. So they take his two most beloved things in the world, his train and his woman. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I was thinking of uh, <laughs> I was thinking of Daniel Johnston's uh, King Kong. Uh, they took they took his woman. Uh, so so that's the bait. And so he takes another train to pursue, and it's all the crazy hijinks that happen. And I do recognize that, like. What I just described sounds like it could be any straightforward, dramatic, yeah. silent film, but uh, it is hysterical mm-hmm. uh, while also having quite a bit of spectacle to it. So, uh, Josh, you've seen The General. I have. What, did, what do you think of it? That's all right. All right. Uh, so stay tuned for <laughs> Good night, everybody. Now. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the first time that I saw this movie, and I, I think it was one of the first silent films that i saw i'm trying to think if i can remember the first i don't know if i can um i think the first for me was probably a chaplin film it may or may not have been for me i don't know because i feel like i came a little late to the to the chaplin party as it were but uh um the general is one of the one of the first keaton ones i saw maybe maybe the first and Here's a, you, you know you're a film geek if you've ever... I, I have done this. I've literally lay awake in bed at night thinking about how Buster Keaton may have been the greatest American filmmaker of all time. Um, and at first that seems like... That's a pretty grandiose statement. But when you think about it, he... A lot of these silent filmmakers, they did everything themselves. Like, they would direct the films. They would, for the most part, write them. You know, yeah. There wasn't a lot of dialogue, but they would... You know, they would yeah. write what happens. They would plan all the jokes, and then they would star in them. And then they had the talent to do so many, so, so much of this physical comedy, which totally relies on you being able to sell that type of comedy. There's a lot of people that can't do it. There's, there were a lot of silent film actors who couldn't do it. Um, well, and and what's more is. Uh, as it happens, my, my love of uh, Buster Keaton caused me to take a silent comedy class in school, and it's probably one of the two or three best classes I ever took. I was so happy that I did because it gave me such a respect for it. Um, and uh, and I, I do agree with you. I think that he is maybe not the best, but I'd say probably top five. Uh, and he's also somebody, I think the word genius may get thrown around a little too easily, but I think he was a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just a purely artistic genius. And he was not appreciated because he was content to just make comedy yeah. and occasionally experiment with the camera. But like, yeah. but on top of, and so on top of all this, uh, people like a Charlie Chaplin, like a Harold Lloyd and a Buster Keaton, 
to a lesser extent, Harry Langdon. Um, they also really like they did this physical comedy, but they also all of them arrived at a character. Yeah, at, at a one could say a brand, really, uh, to use modern terms. You know, uh, Chaplin had the little tramp. Uh, Lloyd had the uh, the glasses character, as as he refers to it, which is just. He basically took his, he's he was a slender, good-looking guy. He threw a pair of glasses on him, and suddenly he looked like this all-American boy looking to make good. And this, and the idea that this kid gets in all these scrapes, like it, somehow it just worked. And that's part of the genius as well, and part of the brilliance of all of these, uh, of a good number of these uh, silent filmmakers is that you know they tried a lot of things until they arrived at the perfect thing. Yeah. And for Keaton, he had a very he had a very strange brand himself, which was more than anything it was his face. Yeah. The great stone face. The great stone face. And uh, part of the fun of that is he he, he it wasn't that he was unable to convey emotion because he did sometimes, but yeah. it, it was almost that he he chose not to at times, and sometimes that, that ends up being the joke in itself because you, you don't know exactly why he's doing what he's doing because he's not mugging. He's not playing it with his face. Yeah. And so then you kind of have to like put two and two together, and then sometimes that's how the joke would come together for you is you didn't know exactly what he was doing, and then by the time that you realize what he's doing, that's what creates the payoff at the same time. Oh, yeah, and it's, it is one of those things. I mean, th- okay, here, here's a fun challenge. Go a whole day without smiling. <laughs> a whole day talk to people do you know go to work and just a just a whole day without or or you know obviously crying or yelling basically you can express some emotion but you cannot smile you can't cry um you know throw those those drama and uh, tragedy masks those comedy and tragedy masks throw them right out who needs them you don't need them all right so go through your day and try to convey what you are thinking and feeling without relying on those. And you will find your, and you will realize the, the, the true genius and brilliance of Buster Keaton as an actor, if nothing else. Um, because as Josh said, like he doesn't mug, which was pretty rare for, uh, you know, for silent films and even yeah. for movies in general. If you've seen any Fatty Arbuckle or yeah. Keystone Cops or something. Well, and, and Fatty Arbuckle and Buster Keaton were two that would work together sometimes. Yeah, they were buddies. Fire and ice there. Yeah. And so, like, uh, and Fatty Arbuckle was, was great in his yeah, own Yeah, no, sense. it's not to say that he was, wasn't talented. It's just yeah. that he he more employed that sort of big yeah. uh, big reaction. Yeah, and because of his... his frame and his baby face he managed to make it work yeah. uh and then keaton just did this this other thing and I, I remember early on and even now when i watch some of his stuff i i just i want to like yell at the screen not in a bad way i want to be like how are you doing this <laughs> how is this even possible how are you managing to convey how are you getting laughs through an extended blink it is insane it, insanely wonderful but like it's just he manages as a as an actor and as a director to achieve things that seem inconceivable. Yeah. And you know, um the next full episode you and I are going to be doing will be about the film uh, Identity Thief, which is a comedy, but it also ha- incorporates a lot of action. And that is not an unusual 
combination, but it very seldom works. Because what will often happen is the action's not that good because there's an emphasis on comedy. Yeah. Or the action's really good and it swallows up the comedy. You can't right. laugh when you're like out of breath. It's really hard to, especially the finale in most in most uh, yeah. comedy action movies, like, that's where a lot of them start to fall apart. Yeah. I mean, a ha- it's, it's the same with like giant special effects. It's hard to have comedy with giant special effects. Some movies do it, like a Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, but by and large, it's pretty hard to do. And so that brings us back to the general. Uh, the movie... Okay, so... Oh, in the midst of... Okay, so we have a character who doesn't show emotion, which means every little subtle thing he does it seems huge. Yeah. In the midst of a big spectacle. I mean, it's every bit as big a spectacle as, say, Birth of a Nation. Like, mm-hmm. he deal, we see armies fighting each other. You know, the, the trains are always going, and the camera's right there on the train. There's not, you know, there's no blue screen. Or there's, you know, there might be, like, some rear screen projection at the time, but not for this movie. Like, the trains were always going. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's comedy while, while there's always forward momentum, mm-hmm. uh, which one could say is the general nature of... Uh, of Keaton as a performer. Like he was always running. He was always going forward. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but then on top of that, the climax, as you mentioned, you know, is a, a huge, like a bridge explosion and a train crash, a train wreck. Yeah. Okay. All of it is real. Yeah. They, they cover the hell out of it. They Mm -hmm. set up a lot of cameras and then Buster Keaton's like, all right, here we go. Let's blow up this bridge and train. Um, (laughs) Which apparently, I think that was in Topanga Canyon out here in LA. And I've heard stories that that was there for a long, like it was, you could go see where the train was wrecked for years, like decades afterwards. Oh, why would they ever clean that up? (laughs) Come on. Probably someone lives there now. Whatever. It's it's in, it's in Ashton Kutcher's backyard now. So they had to get rid of it. (sighs) Can't that be declared like a national monument or something? Ugh. Can't we're the, not, can't the Tyler, film... we're not in charge. I know. Unfortunately. Not yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. And then we will... Well, they'll put us in charge of like the National Preser- Film Preservation Board, mm-hmm. you know? And then we will use that to wield unspeakable power. We will get rid of any movies that we don't like. Oh, yeah. And then we will just we will declare like all manner of things like a national monument. Like yeah. it will be the it will become as big as like Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> people will never but be, will be a- more cutthroat. People won't be able to film anymore because everywhere that's a good location has been used before for something. Like no, no, I'm sorry, this is a historical site. You can't can't film here. You can only film there if you if you pay a you know a, a tariff or something like there that. There you go. Ten- and that's. Ten million dollars. Exactly. That's where it's like. It's like with marijuana. People say you know you should legalize it and and tax it. Oh, I'm yeah. saying let's make everything in the country, you know, a a, a national film monument, and then people have to pay a lot. Even places that no film has ever been. Right. Oh, that's oh, that's the first place you got to do. Yeah. And then just make stuff up. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, and so like. So this is so it's a film that just is consistently funny, quite thrilling, and is remar- it seems remarkably genuine like okay. If I was young, like let's say 12, and I didn't know film history. I didn't know that there was no film uh or like motion uh cameras like during Civil War times. You could show me the general 
and say this was shot, uh, you know, at the time mm-hmm. or shortly thereafter. Um, you know, those are all original uniforms, you know, and all that sort of thing. And I would say, like, stands to reason, absolutely. Like, the only thing keeping me from accept, you know, keep, from accepting that is is knowledge that they didn't have cameras back then. It feels totally authentic, and it just and so much of silent comedy had an artificial quality to it. Um, you know, I know that Chaplin often liked to, uh, and by the way, Chaplin is of course brilliant as well as, mm. is, as is, uh, Lloyd, but they, you know, they like to have a studio. They like to be totally in control. Yeah. Um, and Keaton also liked to be in control, but he was also willing to, he also was not a man of low ambition. And so he would go out into the elements, you know, mm. he would mine comedy out of, out of, uh, hurting a, yeah, I guess a, a giant herd of bulls and uh, cattle and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, hard things to do. Oh, yeah. But he, These guys did their own all their own stunts back then. Oh, abs- <laughs> yes. Oh, and incidentally, uh, Buster Keaton broke his neck once and didn't know it. Um, did you know that? Did I tell <laughs> yeah. you that? Yeah. Uh, not on this film. He did it during uh, Sherlock Jr., I believe. He was uh, running along a train. He was running one way. The train was going another. And then eventually the train runs out. And, uh, and he just falls and he land and the back of his neck landed on one of the rails and he said like oh man it hurts terribly you know and he's like Ugh. oh man okay i'm all right let's keep going and so <laughs> like years later cuz he would keep he would get like migraines and stuff and years later uh he was getting an x-ray and and the doctor said well you know it's likely he said he goes well probably what causes these headaches is that you you know is from when you broke your neck like when did you break your neck and Baskin's like I don't I didn't know that I broke my neck and he's like oh look so he shows him an x-ray and like there's like this clearly this hairline fracture that has healed <laughs> right on his spine and uh and Keaton's like huh you know I bet it was this time and so like so he was uh he was no slouch um and just the film it's like such a you know it's hard to it's hard to talk about it's it's hard to discuss in my case, I, I often refer to like brilliant lines of dialogue and stuff like that. But this is a silent film, so I don't. I would hate to just sit and just describe funny things, like because no description will adequately capture the unique brilliance of a Buster Keaton. Yeah, and it's it's a great entry point into silent film if you don't know a whole lot about it, and, and um, if you're realizing that it's that it is since it was a purely visual medium then they treated it as such like they did things differently knowing that you you only get the visuals you don't get the sound like you get obviously you would have music played along with it but the film itself had to have enough uh going for it visually to keep people interested and yeah. and this is definitely one that does and from a thematic standpoint uh while it is first and foremost a comedy and that was a big thing for Buster Keaton he uh he was committed to making comedy. And if there was some some drama or a message in there, great. But he wanted to make comedy. Uh, that was something that separated from, from Chaplin. And it's something that audiences then and now, I think, they give 
they say that Chaplin is much much better because he incorporated comedy with a you know with a, a pathos and that sort of thing, which is fine with a smile and perhaps a tear. One yes, one could say that, <laughs> uh, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. But uh, I do think as as somebody who uh, I'm a big fan of comedy as a concept, uh, and I have a great deal of respect for it. Um, and you've if you listen to BP, you've heard David and I talk about this uh, ad nauseum that like comedy tends not to get a lot of respect unless you mix it with one of the real arts like mm-hmm. drama or something like that. Uh, and so when you run across somebody like a Buster Keaton who lived, who was a contemporary of Chaplin constantly compared to Chaplin, never sold as many tickets as Chaplin and neither of them sold as many tickets as Lloyd incidentally. But, um, you know, he was probably under a tremendous amount of pressure to give in and, make movies that featured some, they were a little weepy and that sort of thing, but he didn't. He was committed to making comedy, but that doesn't mean he didn't explore some interesting things. And one of the things that I like about The General is that his character, you know, in many ways it's like the movie Rudy, which I don't care for, but uh, just this idea of like knowing what you want, what you are meant to do, and not letting things get in your way. You know, he was... And and getting your priorities straight. Like, to him, the thing he really wants to do is serve in the army. But then that gets in his way. Uh, and that's, and it's like, oh, but this, and he keeps trying to get in and it keeps not happening. Uh, and he is dejected by that. But then the minute his train is stolen, you know, with his, with his best girl on it, um, like, that becomes the most important that indeed it is the most important thing to him. And he realizes it at that moment. And then literally nothing stops him. Like yeah. he, you know, all, there's all kinds of obstacles, uh, in his way and he overcomes all of them. Admittedly, it's, it's often quite funny how he does it, mm-hmm. but I mean, he, the character is every bit as dogged. I won't say obsessive, but dogged as like Popeye Doyle from the French connection. Yeah. You know, no, I think that was always a thing that was consistent with him. Most of his performances is just that determination. Like he's going to get it done. He's going to get there. Yeah. There, uh, Keaton, while he, while he always had the, uh, the stone face thing, like his performances often, uh, slipped into two categories. There was kind of the, the guy who is dogged and determined and that sort of thing. And then there is the character referred to as the sap head. Uh, there, he, he made a film called The Saphead, but then that character, once again, still doesn't show a lot of emotion, but he's usually like this privileged guy who's never had to do real work in his life, and then <laughs> and then he gets thrown into a situation where he does, yeah. and so he has to kind of learn on the job and that sort of thing. And then the, he plays characters that are tremendously capable, yeah. but may not immediately know it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so... A little bit of the American dream in that. Yeah, very much so. And that's and perhaps that's one one of the reasons why he's one of the best American filmmakers is that like there you go so um so yeah obviously we could talk about the movie much longer but I don't want this to go on uh, super long um so yeah hopefully we've given you if you haven't seen the general we've given you enough you know we've intrigued you enough to to see it um, and if you have seen the general eh, go watch it again I I've convinced myself I want to watch it again so um. So, yes, thank you all for listening. Uh, the next episode will be about Seth Gordon's Identity Thief, which is in theaters now. Uh, and then the next mini-sode will be my number 10 film. Should we say it or should we? I think they should guess. Okay. It'll be Josh's number 10 film, and we'll uh, 
will let you discover that as yeah. I as I discover it because I can't immediately call it to mind. Right, it got it. Okay, <laughs> I, it's just like, huh? What is it? No, no, no. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you everybody for listening, Josh. Of course, thank you for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>